Welcome to episode 15 of the So Video Games podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on January 16th, 2017. My name is Brad Galloway, editor of GameCritics.com and 50% of this year's show. With me, as always, is Corey Motley, staff writer at Game Critics. How's it going, Corey? Hello, Brad. I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing excellent, excellent. I'm very glad to be recording. It really hasn't been that long. We are pretty regular when it comes to recording weekly, but we had some life stuff going on, ended up recording one day later than we usually do, and it feels like it's been like a really long time. Does it feel long to you? Yeah, it really does. Like I was thinking earlier today about like, gosh, what show did we record last week? And I was like, oh, it's the Game of the Year show. It feels like we recorded it like six months ago already. Dude, totally. Like, we're only recording, like, literally only 24 hours later than we usually do, and it feels like so much time has passed. We've got so much to catch up on, my friend. It's true. (laughs) And catch up we will. But before we get into the meat of tonight's discussion, as usual, we'd like to start the show with a few minutes of unnecessary banter that's not necessarily game-related. Lately, it's been mostly about movies. We have observed this trend. Will the trend continue tonight? Corey, what do you got? Is it a movie tonight? Are we talking about movies? We are not talking about movies. <laughs> oh, streak is broken. All right, that's fine. What do you got, man? Um, I want to tell you a story about some, a comedy of errors, as I will call it, about some job interview stuff I've had going on. Uh-oh. Yeah, so, I mean, this is like, first of all, I'm not, I, I hate when people talk about jobs and stuff, so I don't want to like, I don't want you or listeners to be like, oh, good, great job, golf clap, golf clap, for like getting a job interview because I'm not here to do that. But I just want to talk about, um, so I, I, as listeners and as you might know, I don't have a job right now, um, so which is why I have all this free time to play video games and talk about them every week, which is awfully convenient. But uh, I, uh, you know, apply to places. I got a uh, an inquiry about doing a phone interview uh, with a company. I'm not going to say the company or what they do. I'm just going to talk about the experience. Um and, and they want to do a phone interview first, which is totally fine. Like I've done, you know, dozens of phone interviews. And so I'm emailing with this HR lady at the company, super nice, like, you know, totally professional. And, uh, we schedule a phone interview date, which was like a week and a half ago at this point, I think. And uh-huh. the day that, um, I'm waiting for the phone interview, like I've been doing all this research on the company. I've been reading like some of the stuff that they publish and write and design. So that way I can, you know have like be like fully cocked whenever she calls and so Uh. yeah (laughs) which usually i i prefer to be fully cocked when men call but uh, you know i do what i can Um, (laughs) you'll make an exception in this case right she's gonna give a job i mean you know you do what you can yeah i uh anybody who wants to give me any kind of job if you know what i mean um i prefer to be (laughs) fully cocked um so i i'm sitting in front of the computer with like all my notes up like waiting for her to call like i feel like i'm like 14 years old and waiting for like my first boyfriend to call me and um and like five minutes after the time that she's supposed to call goes by and i'm like okay well maybe like she's busy like i understand you know shit happens so about 15 minutes after she's supposed to call she sends me an email and is like oh i'm sorry can we reschedule i got swept up in a meeting blah 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 like my day got away from me and i was like okay that's fine like totally fine like you know let's do it so she just wanted to postpone it 24 hours so we postpone it okay you know, this is, I guess, kind of standard. So the next day we do the phone interview, which, you know, went off, I mean, I guess well enough because they asked me to come in for a real interview. So after, hey, nice. yeah, I mean, so, you know, 
I'm not getting my hopes up, but I'm just telling you the story as it goes. Um, so uh, I go, uh, let me see if I can get this straight because it's so like bamboozled in my head. So we, we planned for a, an in-person interview. And then I, uh, so I, I get like, I wake up, this is supposed to be last Friday, I think, um, which seems like forever ago, but it was just a few days ago. And I, uh, I, you know, I get up in the morning, I put on like some really nice clothes and I get like my little like silly, like leather portfolio ready. And I've got like my notes and I keep like some PDFs that I've worked on from magazines and stuff in the past on my iPad. And I've got like my iPad with me. So like I get in the car and this place is about, it's about 20 minutes across town and my phone at the time, the battery was just awful on it. Um, I had had an iPhone six for about almost three years and the battery was just getting really shitty. So in uh, for 100% charge phone to using Google maps to get 20 minutes across town, as soon as I pull into the parking lot, my phone dies completely. Oh no. So, which I mean, isn't that big of a deal. I have a car charger in my car. So I just plugged the phone in and I, and I got there like 20 minutes early anyway. So I was like, okay, I'll just like sit in my car for five minutes and then I'll go in. And then I plug my phone in. It takes a couple minutes to, to boot up. My phone turns on. The first thing that pops up on the screen is an email from the HR lady. Oh, I'm out sick in the office today. Can we reschedule your interview? Oh my god! Seriously? Seriously? So? Oh my god! Yeah, and and I there was like I almost just walked into the building because my my interview is supposed to be with her and like the director of marketing for the company, and I I came so close to just walking into the lobby and being like, hey, I know this is bold, but I'm supposed to meet with HR and the director of marketing. Can I just sit down with the director of marketing today? Like, can we just talk for a few minutes? Like, she should already have this section of her day booked for me. But instead, I was a good boy, and I just left the premises. I emailed her from the parking lot and was like, oh, yeah, we can reschedule. That's fine. So um, the, the best news to come out of the day. Well, the funny thing is that the interview was supposed to be on Friday, which was Friday the 13th. So it was like bad omen to start. Um, yeah. And then and then that happened. But, you know, I'd, I would take postponing an interview over like fucking up an interview on Friday the 13th. The good news to come out of Friday is that I got a new phone. Um, so but that's kind of beside the point. So now my phone battery doesn't die in 20 minutes. But uh, we rescheduled the interview for Tuesday, as in tomorrow. And as luck would have it, Omaha gets hit with a pretty big ice storm last night. It, like, rained all day yesterday. It's icy. Schools are closed today. Schools are closed tomorrow. Oh, man. Yikes. So I wake up today, and um, after rescheduling the interview for tomorrow, and the same HR lady emails me and is like, oh, Mother Nature, you know, things are crazy. Can we reschedule the interview again? (laughs) So, oh my God. So I email her back right now. The interview is scheduled for Friday. I emailed her back and I was like, yeah, you know, that's totally fine. Like I get it. I, w- I woke up this morning and was worried about, you know, it being dangerous outside too. And I, I told her, I was like, you know, hopefully we don't have like an earthquake or a meteor doesn't hit the Midwest and we can actually do this on Friday. And she was like, yeah, you know, hopefully no natural disasters will happen between here and there and uh, we can do it on Friday. So I've been having the most ridiculous luck trying to, like, schedule this job interview. And I swear to God, if I go in an interview and do not get this job, I'm probably just going to, like, jump off a cliff. Because all of this stupid work and postponing all this time to not get the job is just going to be so stupid. (laughs) Well, it's almost like you practically worked there already. I mean, you're taking all this time off and rescheduling. I mean, it seems like you're already integrated into their schedule anyway. I mean, they might as well just start paying you. I mean, that's true. And she's, she's really lucky in a sense that I don't have a job right now, because if I were working 40 hours a week and trying to schedule this interview with them and like 
take time off for my current job to do, you know, to do this interview and then have to, you know, keep taking time off for this stuff. So it's pretty kind of lucky that I, I like honestly have nothing better to do right now than, you know, prep for this interview and go in for it. But it's just like we've postponed it like three times now and I'm just like ready to go in and like sit down and talk to them and, you know, kind of get it over and done with. But it's been a very silly road to get there. Well, you know, that's actually a good point because, you know, there's a lot. I mean, I mean, you were kind of in a uni- unique situation in that you you don't have a job, so your schedule is very open. But, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who are trying to make their way up in life and, you know, want to interview for a better position. And if they have a job where they have very limited time off or maybe no, sometimes even no time off and then to to take a day and set that aside to do an interview and, and to not do it. I mean, that could be, you know, I mean, maybe that was your one shot. I mean, luckily you can have a second and third attempt at it, but I know a lot of people who would be able to do that. So that's lucky for you for sure. And I mean, kind of, I mean, I don't want to say it's inconsiderate because I mean, she seems like she had legit reasons. I mean, if you're puking, you can't do an interview. If there's ice all over the place, you can't drive. I mean, it makes sense. But at the same time, I mean, God, if you, if you like were scraping by on just like, you know, no PTO leftover and, you know, you couldn't take one more day off or else you're going to get fired and you don't know you got this job locked down. I mean, that would be a real hard thing to swing. So it's lucky that you're in the position that you are for sure. Yeah. I told, uh, Patrick, my partner, I said something the other day about like, you know, like she's lucky. I mean, this is going to sound kind of arrogant to say this, but you know, she's lucky that I like don't, that I basically cannot turn down like any career opportunity right now because, if I had like an all right job and didn't absolutely need another job, I would probably just be like, sorry, like I'm not jumping through any more hoops, you know, to try to get hired at your company. Um, yeah, but, yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I also hope that, um, like I, I, I secretly hope I'm the only person they're interviewing right now for this position, because I can't imagine if she's trying to schedule like, you know, three or four or five candidates for this job and she keeps having to postpone everyone like left and right. So I'm kind of hoping that this is like upping my chances to work there even more, but I guess we'll see. Well, keep us posted. I, this is kind of like an ongoing kind of like thread that we're doing. It's almost like a serialized adventure. Like what's Corey going to do next week? He's hanging from the cliff by his fingernails. Tune in to find out. And I guess keep us posted, man. Let us know what happens. I, uh, I will do that. Um, I think that's my lengthy banter story for this week. So what do you have going on? Cool, cool. Not a whole lot. Although, actually, I wasn't going to bring this up, but since you talked about going on a job interview, I actually went on a job interview as well. You know, you almost went on a job interview, but I, I went on a job interview for the first time in more than 20 years this week. And I got to say, haven't missed it a bit. I thought <laughs> I was going to literally throw up my entire abdominal cavity. Oh, it was no. really nerve wracking. Um. It was, yeah, I was nervous. And I mean, it wasn't even as bad as it could have been because uh, it, it was a very specialized position that kind of lines up with the job that I'm already doing. And so I felt like I was like a couple steps ahead of the game because I, you know, not to be, you know, not to be uh, boastful or anything, but I felt like I was really well qualified for this job. And, you know, so I mean, let me knock on some woods so and I don't jinx myself here. <laughs> and I knew the people that were there, like I didn't know all of them, but I knew a couple of them on a personal level. So that helped. But oh, my God, like getting into that room and there was like six or seven people on one side of a table and I was just me on the other side. And they were asking, you know, and the typical BS questions that are like, tell us about a situation in your life when you overcame adversity, thanks to the power of positive thinking. And, you know, all that crap where it's like it's they're very vague questions and it's just really hard to answer. So. It was really nerve wracking. Um, I feel like I did okay because A, I didn't vomit in front of everybody. (laughs) And B, I was able to answer almost all the questions in a way that I felt satisfied with. There's a couple that I would have went back and done differently. But in general, I feel like I didn't make an ass of myself. 
So that was kind of a, a win, but that, that wasn't really my big banter for the week. I was going to say, um, my son actually is really sick. I, before we got into this recording tonight, uh, me and my wife were doing a lot of childcare. He got some kind of a stomach bug yesterday and he was up all last night vomiting like every oh, five man. minutes. My wife and I were up with him pretty much all day. And then I had to go to sleep because I was working this morning. I went to bed at about two Got up at five, so you can imagine how well rested and ready to go I was when I got up. But I mean, even worse than that, um, my wife Gina was up with him like literally all night long on the couch, like every five minutes, switching out his uh, his puke bowl oh, and gross. wiping his forehead and giving him some water to drink, and it was just constantly childcare. So big props to her for you know soldiering on and and uh, just doing all that all that care. It's it's a lot of work, you know. I mean, the kids are awesome. I love kids so much, but when you, a kid gets sick, it's just like the worst thing. And all you want to do is make them feel better. And sometimes there's just nothing to do but to power through it. So I just, I felt really bad for him because he was puking. I mean, this is, I mean, like literally like 40 times in a night or something. Mm, I'm sure you can yeah, imagine how much fun uh, that is. And uh, I felt bad for my wife because she's just like exhausted taking care of him. And, oh man, kids, I mean, kids are great, but man, I, kids need to stay healthy. You've got to keep them kids healthy. <laughs> So anyway, um, I think I'm going to call it good on the banter there. And let's move on to our discussion about the biggest news story of the week, the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Yeah, this week, uh, Nintendo held a press conference detailing information about, of course, the upcoming new console, the Switch. The conference was about an hour or so. And uh, if you didn't catch it, you can still see it on Twitch, YouTube, Nintendo site, uh, wherever you would catch uh, video conferences. And they went over several topics and aspects of the unit and of the games and of their plans, etc., etc., etc. We're not going to go over every single thing, um, but we will dive into it a bit and definitely hit the highlights. Uh, Corey, do you want to take us through what they covered? Yeah, and uh, just listeners, just so you know, um, uh, usually Brad and I talk about games we're talking about every week, but uh, dare I say that we're going to switch gears and uh, oh. and just switch up our format oh. a little bit this week. Oh, and... stop. My tummy hurts. Stop. <laughs> I can't take any more. And we're going to talk about uh, the big news first, the switch, and then we'll talk about games we're playing later. Um, but... I made a handy-dandy list of some stuff uh, from the Switch, uh, I guess, launch that uh, Brad and I both thought was important, so I'm just going to read through some stuff, um, some basic facts that we know about the system so far, and then Brad and I will discuss some stuff uh, in between. Um, so here's what we know about the Nintendo Switch. It is launching on March 3rd, 2017. It is $300 because I'm not going to sit here and say that it's $299.99 because that's dumb. It has a, it's launching in two colors. One is like black and gray. One is a neon, uh, kind of, it's like black, but the little controllers on the sides are called Joy-Cons. One of them is blue and one of them is red. Um, we know about as far, I guess I should say as far as I know, cause some of this stuff is a little bit unclear. The game or the system's going to launch with the following games: One Two Switch, Zelda Breath of the Wild, Just Dance 2017, Skyland Imaginators, and Super Bomberman R, and a handful of other games that are uh, noteworthy so far are Skyrim, a new Suda 51 game, which looks like a No More Heroes esque game because um, they showed Travis Touchdown. 
Uh, Super Mario Odyssey, which is coming at the end of the year. ARMS, which is coming in spring. Splatoon 2, which is coming third quarter. Uh, Xenoblade 2, a new FIFA soccer game. And a game called Project Octopath Traveler, which uh, Brad will probably like because it has a weird name. But that is from the Bravely Default developers and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So that's kind of a, that's a, it's a list. I mean, I don't, well, okay, I don't want to, I got my opinions on this launch list. Uh, what do you think of what they've announced so far? I mean, it looks like one, two, three, four, what, five games at launch, and then all the rest are TBD. What do you think of the launch games, Corey? What do you, that's going to be available right in March. Any, any thoughts on those? Anything? Well, um, I guess before I start saying anything, maybe if, if listeners know anything about Brad and I from listening to us or Game Critics show for a while, you both probably know that Brad and I are not really Nintendo fans. So this episode is not going to be us cheerleading and jerking off Nintendo for an hour. Um, and that sort of leads into what I think about the system. I uh, The games that are launching, I mean, uh, like Zelda, I mean, for Zelda fans, like, I guess that looks good. It's Zelda, it's colorful, it's open world. I don't really care about Zelda at all, so I, I just kind of don't care. Um, Just Dance is going to be another Just Dance. Skylanders is going to be another Skylanders. I didn't look up any info on Skylanders, so I don't know if they're going to do some, like, big new things with Switch for it. Um, I don't know anything about Super Bomberman R. And the 1-2 Switch game is the game where you, like, take the controllers out and you face the other players when you do things instead of facing the TV. Like, one example they showed was, like, a quick draw, like, cowboy thing. So that looks like it could be innovative, but it also looks like the kind of game that will end up being like Wii Bowling where it's innovative and fun for like an hour and then you like never play it again. Um, As far as the games that are coming for the rest of the year, like again, I don't really care about any of these games. Um, No More Heroes sequel, I played like a quarter of the first No More Heroes and got tired of it and stopped playing it. I don't really care about Mario. I don't really care about Splatoon. I never played the first one. I'm just like this, this whole console is not for me in general. I'm not really interested in it like at all. Um, and of course they're bringing Skyrim because I, I just, the, the, Bethesda must be really lucky that Skyrim has such a big fan base because that is going to be the game that ends up coming out on every console again from now until like the year, like, I don't know, 2100 or something, because no matter how many consoles they release it on, allegedly it has a big enough fan base that people are just going to keep buying it no matter what. So, um, I don't know, Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I think you're correct in saying that neither one of us are big Nintendo fans. Um, I will say up front, though, that I do like the concept of the Switch hardware. Uh, I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on our show before, but I have talked here and there about the idea of taking a game that you're playing at home and then bringing that exact game with you on the go. Um, The Switch is not the first system to do that. You can do that with the Vita, with um, cross-save. And you could also do that with the 3DS with certain games, not all games. Uh, but one game that really did it well was Monster Hunter. And uh, I loved playing Monster Hunter at home and then downloading my data to my 3DS and taking the exact same game with me. So I like that concept. I think this is a very cool concept that is is great. It's, it's proven to be a really fun thing that I enjoy. So I'm looking forward to that. But as this list of game releases, upcoming game releases shows... Uh, as cool as the hardware may be, there's not a lot to set me on fire. I mean, I will probably play 
Zelda because that's the game that everybody and their brother is going to be talking about. And it does, you know, it looks okay. Like, it looks all right. Open world Zelda. Looks like lots of exploration. Maybe getting a little bit closer to the uh, earlier roots of the series. I mean, I am not a big Zelda fan by any stretch of the imagination. I, I don't love every single one that's been in the series. But I think some of the games are okay. Some of the games are not okay. But this one, Zelda Breath of the Wild, looks looks fine. I'll probably play that. As far as the rest of the launch games, no interest at all in any of those. One, two, Switch, like, like they're charging money for that. That should be like a, like, it seems like it should come with the system, right? Like, it's to show off the Joy-Cons. And people, like, I looked at the video. I don't understand what you're even doing in that game. But people tell me it's very similar to an indie game called Johann Sebastian Joust, where you took Sony's move controllers and tried to, I don't know, hit the other person with them. Just like walking around, like it didn't have anything to do with the TV. So, I mean, people say that's kind of same as that. Never played Johann Sebastian Joust. One, two, Switch looks just like weird. Like you said, I'd play it for 10 minutes. I would understand what it was finally, and then I'd be done with it. Um, as far as the games coming up, I mean, that's a really, really weak list. Um, we all knew a Mario game was coming. I will play the Mario game because that's what you do. And I'm sure it will be just fine. I'm sure it will be very good. Uh... I will say that the game that had me the most interested is ARMS, and that is one where you take two of the Joy-Con controllers, which are the little ones on the side of the Switch unit. You take them off, and you hold them in your hand, and it looks like you hold them almost like dual joysticks, and so, like, tilting your hands moves your character, and your characters are, like, futuristic boxers, and when you punch, instead of just, like, actually boxing, like, it's like you shoot your fist off. And it launches towards the other person and they have like little springy, springy cables attached to your fists. And so like you shoot them off and then pull them back and shoot them off and pull them back. And this little arena, it looks interesting, but it looks like the kind of thing that I would want to play for maybe 15 minutes at a time. It doesn't look like it's going to be very deep. It looks more like a tech demo, honestly. And that, again, is also something that seems like it kind of should come with the system. Um, that's going to be like, I think, uh, a bargain game for like 40 bucks. Like a lot of these games are 60 bucks, which is kind of weird to me. I'm not a fan of No More Heroes or of Suda51. I am not a fan of Skyrim, which is already on every other system known to man. I'm not a fan of Splatoon, not a fan of FIFA, not a fan of Mario Kart. Uh, Project Octopath looks interesting, but it's from the people who made Bravely Default, and I did not like that game. And plus, I'm really kind of burned out on JRPGs right now, so no interest there. A lot of people are hot for Xenoblade 2. I never played the first one. I played Xenoblade Chronicles and I thought it sucked ass. Did not like that at all. <laughs> so there's nothing really that I'm really I'm really up for. I mean, I was kind of thinking that if the Switch came out at 250, I would be up for it day one just because. But now that it's 300, I think that's a little bit too much, especially when you get into the cost of the other parts of the unit, which we're going to discuss in a second. And the only games that I really would even want to play would be like Zelda, arms and mario and mario and arms don't even come out at launch so like there's no reason at all for me to buy a switch um i think i'm still interested in the concept and the hardware but i'm not gonna jump on this train quickly um we do have a lot of other stuff to talk about that they talked about during the conference Corey, do you want to uh, run through the next couple things that we have here uh sure let's talk about um a few things they've got um they announced that they're gonna do a a premium service that's going to be similar to PlayStation Plus and Xbox Live Gold. 
Um, the I guess if you buy the Switch at launch or if you buy it this year, they're doing like a free trial, I think, for up until like fall or winter. Um, and then they'll start charging for it either at the end of the year or the beginning of the year. The kicker is that they did not say how much it will be, the monthly cost. Um, and one plus to the premium services you get allegedly are going to get a free uh, NES or SNES game a month, sort of like PlayStation Plus or Games with Gold, but you only get the game for the, the current month and then you don't, and then you, you they like revoke your access to it. So like players that are listeners that don't know, like PlayStation Plus is probably the best example of a premiums game service because each month you get two games to download and then you have them to play forever until you... Um, don't have PlayStation Plus anymore, as far as I know. But the Nintendo service is going to do it just uh, per month. So you get like an NES game and then you lose access to it after the current month, which I don't really think is that great of an idea. And I also feel like if you're premium, like, uh, I don't know, one of your premium rewards for paying monthly for the service is a game that came out like 30 years ago. I feel like that's kind of problematic. What do you think, Brad? Oh, God. I Okay, so so some of these details haven't been locked down. There's still a few questions, but what they've announced so far, it sounds fucking insane. I mean, we don't know what the price is. And to be honest, it sounds like it's worth fucking zero to me. I mean, <laughs> getting an NES or SNES game like one a month, like just getting one would be kind of cool. But to get one for one month and then they they take it back? Like, what the fuck? I mean, like... Everybody else is giving games away for free, which really provides a good, you know, value case for why you pay for them in addition to the online connectivity. I mean, like, honestly, a lot of these games are are garbage. And if you didn't already buy them on the virtual console or whatever, getting, you know, some random NES game, you're going to play it for like an hour and you're not going to go back to it. Like, so I don't understand. I mean, even if you get this, you're going to play it for like, oh, hey, it's the new NES game this month. Let's play it. Oh, and it's like, you know, Renegade or something, something that's just not good or, you know, whatever. You're not going to get into it with all the other games available. You're going to play that in what? They expect you to, like, be so hooked you're going to pay for it at the end of the month? Like, you're going to buy it? Like, that's not going to happen. I just don't get why they do that. And the kicker, one thing that um, was not really mentioned in the presentation, but something that came up, I think, afterwards, was they were talking about, like, voice chat. Apparently, the voice chat is going to be an app which you need a smartphone to use. So you're going to be paying Nintendo for the privilege of going online to play multiplayer with other people. And you need to have a smartphone, your own smartphone to go with it. You need to download Nintendo's app, fire that up, and then you will do voice chat through your phone while you're playing on the Switch. Like, I'm sorry, why, what? Like, what if you don't want to use your phone? I'm not a fan of second screen experiences. What if I just want to slap on a headset and play through the Switch? Nope. You can't. You got to have a phone. Now, granted, a lot of people have phones. Not everybody does. But most people who are buying a Switch probably have a phone. I get that. But there's like a jillion free voiceover programs. There's FaceTime. There's Skype. There's like all these other programs you can have on your phone. Why the fuck would I want to do a Nintendo voice app and then use my fucking phone to talk when I'm playing on the Switch? Like that is, I it boggles me, boggles me. I mean, did you, did you hear about this, Corey? Are you interested in using your phone as you play your switch that you're not going to buy well i have two responses to this the first response is why would they do this whenever you can just call someone on your phone and second of all why um not why uh, i i remember getting xbox live for the first time to play halo 2 online and that was about 11 or 12 years ago and microsoft and xbox did it right 
11 or 12 years ago and Nintendo still cannot do it right. Like, are you kidding me? Oh man. I just, I don't get what they're going for. Like, is, is this maybe their way of like community management where they're saying, if you're a kid who's going to be exposed to people swearing online, you probably don't have a phone. Therefore you cannot do voice shot. Therefore you are protected. If you're a grown up with a phone, you can handle the harassment online. So therefore you can participate. Like, is that what's going on? It doesn't, makes sense to me like i don't i don't get it but okay maybe we'll we'll just wait and get more details what's the next thing on the list Corey? what else we got all right the next thing and this might be uh, one of the most controversial aspects of the uh of the switch is the accessories that are available and the accessory prices that are available and just to clarify because we haven't really like given a breakdown yet the nintendo switch comes with it's a tablet that has the Joy-Cons or the controllers. So you have the Joy-Con L, and it slides into the left side of the tablet. You have the Joy-Con R that slides into the right side of the tablet, which can be slid out and used individually, or they can be slid into... Um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's like the controller, so it just makes it like a just like a standard controller that does not hook them into the Switch. The Switch comes with the tablet, the dock. You set the tablet in to transfer the game to your TV. Um, a Joy-Con L, a Joy-Con R, the little controller... A separate standard controller that they slide into and then like you know an hdmi cable and an uh, ac adapter um but the little controller that they hook into um word is getting out that that is not the charging controller so if you're playing with a controller you will have to charge your little joy cons uh i guess in a separate way or plug them back into the tablet to charge them or something and you can buy a, an additional set of Joy-Cons, which is the both of them packed together, the left and right ones, and that is $80. Or you can buy individual left and right ones for $50. Um, and the $70 um, for the Pro, the Pro Controller, I feel like I'm tripping over my words here. They have a Pro Controller, just like the Wii U has a Pro Controller, and I think the Wii had one that just looks like an Xbox 360 or a DualShock um, controller. And that's going to be $70. And right now, if I'm not mistaken, sort of like the baseline price for an Xbox One controller and a DualShock uh, 4 for the PlayStation 4, I think they're 60 So basically everything is more expensive than that unless you just want an individual Joy-Con L or Joy-Con R. But I don't really understand why someone would buy an individual one unless they just like lost one or something. Um, I feel like you would always want to buy them packaged together for 80 but... Um, I guess like the whole accessory pricing and how many accessories there are and how expensive they are is kind of what I'm uh, seeing to be is the most controversial thing so far about it. What do you think, Brad? I, this is kind of crazy to me. Um, I, I already think it's launching for 50 bucks more than it probably should considering, uh, the state of the hardware. I mean, I get that it's neat and everything, but it's already starting out behind the curve in terms of technology. So it's not going to be able to keep up with the Xbox One or the PS4, not to mention the PS4 Pro or the Scorpio that's coming out. I mean, it's already starting behind those guys. So considering you're getting a, a, a lower power console, I mean, I'm sure it's going to look fine and all that, but I mean, just, you know, calling a spade a spade, it's just not as powerful. Um, it's weird. Like, it's weird. Like, the I, like you said, I don't know why you'd want to buy just one Joy-Con since they come in an L and an R. I mean, I guess if you have a multiplayer game, um, you know, one of the, one of the different modes that you can do is you can take one of the joy cons off of your, your, your tablet and give it to a friend. So, and these things are tiny, like, I guess that's going to be their controller. So I suppose if you have just one other friend, you could buy an L or an R and just give that to them. But I, 
I kind of don't see that working. Like like you, if I bought one, I would probably want to buy a pair. I don't know why you'd want to do that. And the fact that you have to buy a separate controller in order to charge them, they do charge when they're on the side of the tablet, but they don't charge when they're in the controller cradle. I feel like they're already starting out with like all this crap. Like there's too much peripherals and too many different things to do. Like it's just, I, I like it when it's simple. This reminds me of their other, um, other hardware where it's like, like with the Wii U, it was like there was... You could use the Wiimotes from the Wii. There was also the Nunchuck. There was also the Pro Controller. There's also the GamePad. There's like all these different attachments and shit. And I'm like, God, will you please just be simple and just like just too much, too much stuff going on. And the system hasn't even launched yet. It's really, really weird that they've got all this stuff. And of course, I would probably want to just do the Pro Controller because I that's just how I generally like to play games. And 70 bucks for that? Like, come on. Like, that seems like it seems like they're 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 making their extra profit on all these peripherals that they feel like people are going to buy anyway and there's one other thing that we didn't even mention um there's a a wrist strap that goes to the joy cons similar to the wrist strap that goes to the uh the wiimote like back in the day uh but you know instead of that just being a strap there's also a little bumper on it which increases the size of the joy con it's just like a spacer so the joy cons are teeny tiny and i bet most people will find them really super uncomfortable to use and it looks like most people will want to have that like size enhancer uh-huh. to <laughs> to make the Joy-Con able to be used. And so that's going to be like another 20 or 30 bucks or whatever it is. I mean, there's like all this shit you got to buy for it already. If you just want to be comfortable playing this stupid console, I feel like it's too much. I feel like it's a mess, but ugh, too much money. Um, what's what's the next thing? What, what, tell me about the storage, Corey. What about the storage, internal storage? Um, allegedly, there are 32 gigabytes of internal storage. And another like like woo controversial thing is that Zelda Breath of the Wild is rumored to take up just half of that. So, you know, you install one game and there goes half your memory. Um, however, you can buy additional like SD cards and stuff to put in to... Uh, I guess, to give you more memory, which is, I mean, that's definitely a good thing. Um, but, you know, if you already have the tablet, the two small controllers, the two uh, wrist strap pieces that go onto the sides of the controllers, and then you have SD cards everywhere, like you said, they're just adding more and more stuff to it. Yeah, it just, I mean, of course there's, you gotta buy more storage. I mean, of course, I mean, I've had patches that are bigger than 32 gigabytes. That seems like, I mean, like, like literally, literally there's been patches that are bigger than that. And if that's what they're shipping with, I mean, dude, that's like not even what my phone has. Like, how are you shipping? How are you shipping a console with just that little bit? I mean, one big chunky game is going to take up a huge amount of that. I mean, especially considering how many games these days are like download or how many people choose to download games, you're going to fill up your hard drive like in a day. And of course, you know, you got to buy the extra storage. So that's another cost. I just, mm, mm. it's, you know, people are saying 300 bucks for the console, but 300 plus, 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 plus. I mean, I could easily see this being four or five, $600 if you want to kit yourself out on day one, you know? Um, the other question that I'm really, really, really interested in is what's going to happen with the games that we've already bought on previous Nintendo consoles um, in terms of the Wii U or the Wii. Nintendo has generally been pretty fucking shit at having a unified system for all those things. So, I mean, in comparison, I can log on to PSN and I can go back and I can see pretty much every downloadable game I've ever bought, like whether it's the PS4, PS3, 
or the Vita, like it tells me everything I've bought, it is all centralized. It's pretty easy to see. It'll tell me whether I can download it now or what system it's for. It's, it's a pretty nice setup. Um, Nintendo has struggled. Um, there has been games that are locked to your console when it comes to 3DS. So like if your 3DS crapped out, you could not transfer those games. And we don't know, like a lot of the games that were on my Wii, I think not all of those were able to be transferred to the Wii U, if I remember correctly. It just seems to be like they don't have their system down and they haven't said anything about whether everything you've bought will transfer over. I'm guessing not. I'm guessing that they want you to buy that shit again. Did you ever buy anything for Wii U, Wii 3DS, uh, Corey? Is this a concern for you, the virtual console stuff? Um, Well, I mean, it is and it isn't. And I will say that, um, I mean, I've bought a handful of games on the, on the Wii U's virtual console, which is sad because I have a Wii U and most of the games I played on it are virtual console games um, or like remastered versions of games that came out on like the Xbox 360. Um, but I will um, slightly object to your Sony PlayStation um, praise here because one thing that I really do not like about the PlayStation 4 is that when, like, I have a bunch of, on my PlayStation 3, I have a handful of, like, PlayStation 1 games that I have on my hard drive, and they have, I think, uh, I don't know if they have PlayStation 2 games or whatnot on the PSN anymore for PlayStation 3, but one thing that bothers me is that when you buy the PlayStation 4, you cannot access those PlayStation 1 games that you bought on your PSN on your PlayStation 4. So, like, if I wanted to play, say, Silent Hill 1, which I bought and downloaded onto my uh, through the PSN on my PlayStation 3, I would have to unplug my PlayStation 3 or 4, plug my PlayStation 3 back in and play Silent Hill 1. And I feel like they should have had a way to just port those games over if you bought them to the PlayStation 4. And that really bothers me. Um, and that kind of seems like maybe what Nintendo will be doing. Uh, like, who knows if they're going to honor your old virtual console purchases or whatever. They I guess they haven't really said yet. Yeah, no, that's true. No, that's very true. Certain games are not compatible with either. I was kind of, I mean, I think you have a valid point and I do agree with that. I think they should have done that. Um, I was actually just more referring to like, if you go to PSN, like if you go online, like on your computer, you can see like a very comprehensive list of everything you've ever bought. So I use that pretty often. I like that functionality, but no, you are, you are correct in terms of that. But, but regardless of how wrong Sony gets it, Nintendo gets it wronger. And I'm really (sighs) curious to see if they're going to Fix that up. So, so far, it doesn't sound like either one of us are really too hot on the system. Corey, are you feeling a day one purchase for the Nintendo Switch? Uh, well, for one, absolutely not. Because, A, I'm not interested in it at this point. And, B, if Nintendo's track record for the last, I don't know, 20 years is anything to go by, getting your hands on the system is going to be very difficult because... You know, there's all these, like, conspiracy theories about how Nintendo underproduces their consoles to make, you know, the demand higher and whatever. And I, I don't believe that. I think that's dumb, and I don't think that's correct. But what I do think is if after 20 years, uh, you know, plus of producing consoles, because I remember this happening when the Wii came out, um, like, if you can't get your shit together enough to supply, I don't know, enough consoles for the demand whenever you've had this long to get it together, then I just think that's annoying like i mean look at the nes classic that came out um last year like you still cannot find one of those unless you're like in you buying it on ebay for you know 300 dollars over the price or if you're like in the, the physical nintendo store in like times square in new york so i just wish that like fucking nintendo would get their shit together and like make enough consoles especially because one of their big things was they're launching like and like a ton of countries and continents all at once on march 3rd 
And it's like, okay, well, if you're going to try to do like a region unlocked system and launch all over the world on the same day, like, can you make enough consoles, like, please, for everybody to get one? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's for sure. I actually do think that they intentionally manufacture them short or they just keep some stock back. And that's a very tried and true marketing strategy. It's not only a thing that happens in video games. It happens in other markets, avenues as well. I mean, it's a really quick way to drum up extra interest in your product. I think they do it. I think because pretty much every system they've ever put out has had a shortage up front. It works for them. It's their MO. I mean, if they really wanted to get enough consoles out there, I think they could do it. I think if they just like to have uh, people hunting them down and being hot for them and, you know, seeing the aftermarket and everybody getting really excited about it. I think it's the thing they do. I, I, I believe in that philosophy that they do. But yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be one of those people trying to track it down. I'm not going to pay $400 above purchase price on eBay the day after it launches or whatever. I'm just going to wait. I'm just going to wait because there's literally not enough for me to play on the system that it would really justify the purchase. I mean, kind of the same thing with my Xbox one. I waited about a year before I bought an Xbox One, and even that was too soon. I could have easily waited longer because I've barely touched it. I've played maybe two or three games that I've really enjoyed on the Xbox One, and the Xbox One has a way bigger library than the Switch uh, announces. So I'm just going to wait. Not super on fire for Zelda. Not super on fire for Mario. Um, not super on fire for anything. If they if they if they announced a really good Monster Hunter, like that would really make me more excited and probably would make me bump up my my timetable for getting one but i'm trying to think of something else nintendo would announce that would get me on board quicker and i can't think of anything so not to say that there won't be anything but as of right now nothing they've told me has really got me excited so um we did get some comments from listeners before the show you want to run through these real quick yeah let's talk about them um so Brad asked on twitter for people to send in some thoughts and feelings about the uh, the switch and uh, first up is Mr. Elijah Bame. Um, first of all, I would like to shake Elijah Bame's parents because that's a really good name, Elijah Bame. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, by the way. Um, that's a good name. Um, that's good. He should be a celebrity or something because that's a good name. Um, but he said uh, his thoughts are simply, when will it have third-party games I actually want? Um, Skyrim's great and all, but it either needs to be killer exclusive or killer exclusives or great third-party support to sway me and before people cite all the things announced just look at all the canceled xbox one titles it could happen again very true very true and i'm definitely uh feeling that comment um next comment is from joshua carpenter who is at jscarp on twitter says i like the hybrid concept wish they had been more aggressive with pricing to win back market share and unsure of how it will actually sell well it's no matter what happens, it's going to sell like crazy. I mean, my my timeline on Twitter is full of people who are, like, jizzing themselves left and right over this console. And that's fine, because I, even though I, I'm sometimes a cynic and I'm not excited about the Switch, like, I, I want people to be happy with the console. Like, I would never want someone to not be happy with it, you know, or, like, with a certain game or with the console or whatever. Like, I want people to be happy. It's going to sell. And, um... In response to the pricing, and this is something that I meant to say earlier, uh, I actually think that, I mean, I don't think $300 is that bad because I'm kind of one of those people where like, you know, there's a ton of people that are like, oh, well, if it were 250, like then I would think about it. And I like, I realize that money is tight for a lot of people, but I'm like, you know, that's only like $50. Like 
it's not that big of a difference. Like I could get if someone were like, oh, it's 200 or if it's 200, I would buy it, but not 300 because $50 is that gray area for me where I just like, I'm just like, okay, it's 50 extra dollars, but that's kind of beside the point. But I also think, um, I think they did it right by, and this is going to sound kind of contradictory, maybe to some stuff we said earlier, but I feel like with the pricing, they did it right and not because one of the, uh, reasons they gave for like this, so many accessories is that if they packed in more stuff or if they packed in a demo disc, like with the Wii, then it would just drive the price up. And I mean, I, I think I believe that. And I think it's better to go in with less accessories and have the console be cheaper because, you know, if it came with the controller that powers the joy cons and it were $350 or $400, people would be like, fucking outraged you know because it's so expensive but then they're gonna bitch because it doesn't have the powered the the controller charger so it's just like i don't you know video gamers like you can never do anything to satisfy them so i don't know those are my responses to joshua's uh well to joshua's tweet that's true and i i mean to to get back to the 50 dollar thing i mean i don't think that 300 dollars is like an astronomical amount when it comes to consoles i mean i've certainly paid more than that in the past, um, when I've had the money, I mean, you know, everybody's got a budget, right? But I think for me, and maybe for other people, it's just the perception of like, you know, you're already buying something that's not as good as what's out there. Like the, the novelty factor is really high on it. But like, you you know, you already know the games you're going to get are not going to be as technologically advanced as what the other guys are selling. And I just, I mean, to me, it kind of feels like almost like buying um, just like 3ds plus or something like something a little bit better than that where, cause I'm, I'm really looking at the, the portable aspect of it. So I kind of, I mean, I don't know, just for me, 250, that would be like a really good point. I could feel like I could drop 250. I probably would get enough use out of it if I brought it around with me, but for 300, I don't know, just perceived value. I just don't feel like the value is there for me yet. So maybe, maybe that's what other people feel. Yeah. And I mean, I understand that too. Perceived value is important. Um, but, uh, all right, let's talk about, um, our next, a uh, person whose name is mm, Chili, C H I L L E. Do you know I'd how to go with Chili? Sure, Chili. Huh? Sure. I will imagine it's uh, that the singer from um, TLC. Uh, TLC, yeah, is tweeting us about this. <laughs> um, uh, she, I'm just gonna go with it. Um, says the concept is amazing, but needs more games announced, and the price is a bit bad, also. Agreed. Um, next comment is from a frequent listener, Adam, who is at Asrealist on Twitter. He says, I'm probably alone on this, but I love the Wii U and the Switch is a nice upgrade. Plus, I'm excited for all those weird JRPGs. Nintendo and Wii U deserve all the criticism, but I still enjoyed their games and console. All right. That, that is fair. Um, next up is Austin Parkin who is at Brood Wars 64. I wonder if the 64 is a reference to the Nintendo 64. Um, I, I believe it is. Oh, well, well. Um, he said it looks incredibly overpriced, and it's already under-supported and reeks of Nintendo arrogance. <laughs> I want to like it, but Nintendo's instead giving me every reason to ignore it, uh, forcing me to pay for unwanted motion controls it did not help. Austin, tell us what you really think, bro. I know don't on sugar, top of the don't stuff we've already been saying. <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of, I basically agree with him. I'm, I'm kind of on board with, uh, with what Austin said there. So, all right, those were the comments we had, and I think that's going to do it for the Switch. Uh, that was a lot of Switch talk, so this is probably a good time to get into the things that are not Switch-related. Let's get back to what we usually do here at So Video Games and talk about what we've been playing. Corey, would you like to lead off, sir? 
uh, I think perhaps we should switch off from the Nintendo discussion. What do you think? Oh, God, my stomach. <laughs> I can't take it. Uh. This system is going to be a boon for people who like bad puns, which is me. So, uh, I mean, I'm not interested in the system, but I cannot wait to see all the awful review subtitles that are going to be like Xenoblade 2 review couldn't wait to switch off this game like oh my god it's gonna be terrible it's gonna be bad (laughs) brace yourselves everybody (laughs) but uh it's funny because here i am bagging on nintendo but uh like i said last week i've been playing metroid prime on uh via the wii u's virtual console um and i actually finished metroid prime um like i said on the last show i played metroid prime on the gamecube when it first came out which i was like think like 16 ish at the time years old Uh, i did not finish it i remember just getting lost at some point and then i just stopped playing it um but i did finish metroid prime last week and um i you know i don't really know what to say like i know this game is it's like a classic and a lot of people it's on like their top 10 games of all time and so maybe i needed to like reevaluate my my expectations for it but i mean i thought it was fine like it was okay um i think it worked all right with motion controls because i was doing the wii version um i think the game uh is not nearly as big or as expansive as maybe people think it is um and there's a hell of a lot of backtracking in it and that really bothered me because the thing i kept thinking about um and friend of the show mike susky i'm gonna bag on him a little bit right here um but he can't say anything because he's not on the podcast with us. Uh, I remember when we play or when he played Recore, um, he made a huge fuss about how uh, when you play Recore, the end of the game, and I'm only comparing them because they have the same director, Washer um, Prime and Recore. Um, he was talking about at the end of Recore how you get to the end of the game and then the game just kind of like locks you out from going to the final area until you like go back and like do these dungeons and collect these orbs or something. Um, I'm taking his word for this because I never played... I only played ReCore for like an hour. But, you know, it's funny because Metroid Prime does the exact same fucking thing. Like, the point of the end game is to collect all of these um, these artifacts over the world and the world areas. And it, it does the same thing. Like, you you can't proceed until the last leg of the game until you collect all the artifacts. And all you do is just fucking backtrack over all the areas in the game and try to find these artifacts. And I was just looking up... Uh, uh, like FAQs online because I didn't want to search for them because I'm lazy. So I would just look up online where the where it was, go find it, and then go find the other one and go find the other one. And I was just so tired of like going back to the map screen and going back to the game and checking the map every five seconds to make sure I was going in the right direction. And the little grapple beam that she has, um, that Samus has to grapple from things on the ceiling is like totally fucking broken on the Wii version. Like you're supposed to press a button and you have to wait uh, for the little eye grapple icon to light up. And I swear to God, I could jump in the, uh, jump up in the sky and be like two feet away from the grapple point and I would press the grapple button. But because the grapple thing wasn't lit up, then she wouldn't grab onto it and I'd have to do all the stupid fucking platforming again to get back up there. And last but not least, perhaps my pettiest complaint about Metroid Prime is in Metroid Prime 1 and Metroid Prime 2, because I started 2, um... One of the very first things Samus Aran does when her her ship, when she boosts out of the ship, is she does this, like, big, like, triple front flip off the front of the ship. And, like, that's cool. I get it. Like, you know, that's kind of her thing from the 2D games. She can do, like, go into the ball. She can do flips, whatever. The second you take control of her, she jumps, like, two feet off the ground. And I'm like, 
really, Nintendo? Really, Samus? Aaron? Really, Metroid Prime? Like, she just, like, did this fucking, like, triple front flip off of her ship. And then the second I take control of her, she jumps, like, two feet off the ground. Like, can can we not, like, balance this somehow? Like, how, where's the button for me to do triple front flips? Like, I, it's just little things like that about video games that bug the crap out of me. Um, and, like, Devil May Cry is uh, another example where it's, like, they do all this amazing shit in the cutscenes, and you take control of the character, and you can't do a single bit of any of that that they just did in the cutscenes, and... Uh, yeah, I don't know. That just Those little things bothered me. I think the game is fine overall, but I feel like it's one of those games where people's nostalgia is fueling their love for it rather than the actual game itself. This was this was your first time finishing it, right? Was this your first time playing and finishing, or was it your first time uh, not just finishing? Fir- just finishing, yeah. The first time I played it, I made it about 60 to 70% of the way through the game, and then this time I played it uh, all the way through for the first time. Interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah, you know, I th- this is this raises the question of like what makes a classic game a classic and how classics hold up over time. I enjoyed Metroid Prime when it came out back in the day. I I didn't think it was like amazing the way some people did, but I thought it was very good. It was better than I thought it was going to be. I'll say that, especially considering every Metroid up until that point had been a two D kind of a Metroidvania type before the term really existed. Um, so taking it into the first person, I thought was was pretty well done. But I agree. I mean, I'm not a fan of backtracking, and I I hated the motion controls from day one, never liked them. It's a good game. I mean, I like it, but it's not, like, anywhere near my top ten or anything like that. So, I mean, do you feel like it was worth it for you to go back and finish? I mean, what even motivated you to even go back to it anyway? Like, why? what was your motivation for playing? You know, I think... Um... I don't even know. I, I think it was a lack of having other things to play, and the fact that I knew that I had bought... Um that I had bought it because I bought it on the Wii U's virtual console, like seriously, like two years ago and just never went back to play it. And, um, you know, actually I do know what made me want to play this. Um, we are a one, when I say we, I mean my partner, Patrick and I, we are a one PlayStation four household. I know Brad, you guys have two PlayStation fours. That's definitely the right way to do it. We have one PlayStation four. We have one Xbox one. We have one Wii U, one Xbox 360. We have one of everything. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Patrick has been playing so much goddamn Overwatch that I was just looking for something to play while he was playing because we all know that I have to be playing a video game to be entertained. I can't like read a book or watch a movie or you know do anything else. It has to be video games because I'm not sophisticated. So that's what really drove me to play it at first. I was like, well, what can I play while he's playing Overwatch? Um, which the joke was on me because you can't really play it unless you have the TV because you need the Wii motion controls anyway. But just the thought of playing it while he was playing Overwatch is what made me want to play it. And then I did. So that that's that, I guess. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, you know, that is a good point. I was, I was originally thinking you were playing it on the gamepad, but once you reminded me of the motion controls, yeah, you'd be kind of screwed that way too. So, mm. Oh, well. Well, I'm I'm glad you finished it. I mean, are you glad you finished it? Yeah, I mean, I'm glad that I got to see it through to see what all the fuss is about. And I know um, you told me not to, but I started Metroid Prime 2. I don't know if I'm going to play all of it. I've only played like an hour or two of it. I probably will not play any more of it because from what I can tell, it's just like the first one's mechanics copied and pasted. But, um, But I mean, I'm glad I played Metroid Prime now. I can say I've played it and now I can go on 15 minute rants on podcasts about how it's overrated. <laughs> yeah, it's worth playing. I mean, I think it's worth playing. I, I would not really recommend Metroid Prime 2 or 3. 2 is just the exact same thing but harder. 3 is the exact same thing but uh, longer. So you have longer and harder and while those things may be good in a certain context oh, for some dear. people. 
That's right. I went there. Um, <laughs> I think the first one is really the only one that's really worth playing. So you got it done. You can cross that off your list. You can move on to something else more critically interesting. Um, as for me, I have been playing Yakuza 0 on PS4. Um, it's currently under review embargo, but the preview embargo is up, so I can talk about it in a preview sense. So what everything does that even I'm about mean? to say. Well, it means that you can talk about certain things, but you cannot give it a score. You cannot give a final judgment. They don't want anybody beating anybody else to the punch when it comes to a review. So they want to get positive, you know, ideally positive word of mouth about a game, but they don't want anybody saying, you know, here's a score two weeks before anybody else can give a score also, just to kind of be more fair to everybody who's reviewing it. So you can talk about things in a preview sense. So everything I'm saying is in a preview sense here, not a review sense. Um, but I can talk about anything up until chapter six, which is fine because I'm nowhere near chapter six <laughs> because this game is huge. It's huge. Um, before I launch into my spiel, have you ever played a Yakuza game, Corey? I've only played, I think, a demo for one of them on the PlayStation 3. I don't think it's my kind of game. Um, I'm probably not going to play Zero. I know they have a big fan base. I'm just not really interested in them. But um before you get started, one thing I wanted to ask was because you mentioned this is a long game and this is going to be more me sort of like pseudo giving props to the developers. Um, how long have you had this game for review? It seems like you've had it for a long time, right? Uh, let's see. I don't know the exact date. I feel like I've had it for three weeks, maybe two weeks. Whatever I mean, that's the like, t- that's a long ass time though, right? For a review game, usually you get it like the week it comes out, or if you're Bethesda, you get it the day it comes out. Well, it really depends, you know. Like every developer and publisher is different. So, like sometimes we get a game, like if we get a game from a developer, or and I'm speaking for GameCritics.com here, not just me personally, but like Game Critics in my duty as editor for people who may not know. Um, so Game Critics has been around for a long time. We have relationships with pretty much everybody in the industry. And when we get a game from somebody who doesn't like us very much, we tend to get the game either on release day or after release day because they don't <laughs> want because they know we're probably going to give them a bad review, right? And they're like, "Well, whatever, fuck those Game Critics guys. We'll just give them something when we give it to them." If we get anything at all, there are certain publishers who don't send us shit because we have given bad reviews in the past and so they cut us off after a while. Um if we have a pretty good relationship with people, we will get games beforehand. But sometimes um, they're not just sitting around. Like sometimes the uh, the publishers or the themselves don't get the games until really close to review either or to launch either. So ideally, we will get a game like, you know, two weeks before launch, um, sometimes even longer. Like Atlas is really good. We've got a good relationship with Atlas. They'll give us stuff as soon as possible. And so sometimes we'll get stuff like a month ahead of time. And that's like that's that's amazing when we that's get that amazing. much lead time. It's amazing. So I love it when we get that much time. Usually it's about two weeks or so before launch. That's the norm. And it, for most games, that's fine. Two weeks before launch is usually fine, except when you get a big-ass fucking huge game <laughs> like Yakuza 0. Um, so for those people who have never played it, Yakuza is a series about, uh, of course, as you might imagine, the, the Japanese uh, crime syndicate known as the Yakuza. Uh, it's been around. There's been games released in the series in the States ever since 1996. So there's multiple games in the series. But it seems like a lot of people haven't really given it a try or haven't just don't really know a lot about it. A lot of people think, oh, it's just like Grand Theft Auto, but Japanese. Or or if you're old enough to have played it, you're like, oh, it's just it's like Shenmue again, right? Which it kind of is. 
But really what Yakuza is, is it's a crime drama story. It's about the drama of the main character and what he goes through in his relationships with people. Very, very, very story heavy. The writing is actually amazing. It's really a well done writing. I love the writing. Characters grow and develop over time. Things happen in one game that will influence things that happen in the next game. This is one of the very few series in all of gaming where I say it's really important to play from start to finish. Don't play these out of order because you might enjoy them mechanically, but you will miss so much context, so much story uh, by playing them in the wrong order. So I definitely uh, think that you should play, well, starting at zero, actually, but zero is brand new. Usually is one, and I think it's up to six, but start with zero because that's a good place to start. Basically... You play as this guy who's in the Yakuza, brand new guy, just got inducted recently. His boss gets into some trouble. There's uh, some people getting framed for some stuff. Shit goes down and all of a sudden he's got problems. He's got to solve the problem. That's that's it in a nutshell. I don't want to get too far into it because it's kind of convoluted. But the real takeaway from this is that Yakuza is, it's like a Japanese ass game. This is like the most <laughs> Japanese game you can play. Like I was recently talking to um, some critics. I'm not going to name them. But they were, this was their first time. Yakuza 0 was their first time ever playing the series. And they were like, what the fuck's going on? Like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. There's so much talking. Why is this happening? This is not what I expected. And I think they were expecting Grand Theft Auto, but Japanese. And it's not. Like, it's really not. It's an open world, but you play in very small environments. Like a, a city, which is probably like, I don't know, um, 10, 20 square blocks. Like, it's not like this giant half the United States or anything. I mean, it's a pretty relatively small compared to what other open world games are doing these days. But it's very compact, very detailed, loads of side quests, loads of people to talk to, loads of things to explore, tons of um, mini games and stuff like that. So there's tons of stuff to do. But this game is really about Japan. It's about this Japanese guy in this Japanese organization having Japanese feelings, having Japanese problems. <laughs> and if you, I mean, it's, if you are not down for that, like you have to like, you have to be willing to put your American sensibilities aside and say the way that this guy is responding to this situation is not what I would expect, but because he's Japanese, that's correct. I mean, it's almost like when you go to see a foreign film, um, you, you expect, okay, this is a foreign film. It's not going to be like an American blockbuster. I need to be prepared for cultural differences and, you know, different views on things and different approaches. That's exactly what this is. And so people who are interested in Yakuza, you got to be ready for like this hardcore Japanese stuff that's going on. And if you're not down with that, like don't play this game because it's just going to confuse you and make you frustrated and it's just going to be a bad fit. But if you're up for that, if you're interested in Japanese culture, if you're interested in the Japanese viewpoint, this is a Japanese game for Japanese people and we're just lucky to get it. It's not for everybody, but if you enjoy this kind of stuff, I think it's a really great experience. And it's also, as I said, fucking huge. It's enormous. I have been playing for a while, and this is the kind of game where you really want to do the side quests because they're so interesting, and they add so much to the story. So many cool, funny, weird things happen that it's it's totally worth doing all the side quests. And I'm, like, nowhere near... The end of the game, like not even a bit. The review is due, I think, in three days. I am not even, I'm not even a third of the way through the game <laughs> because it's so dense. So I'm really enjoying it, though. I think it's really great. It's probably the best one so far. Having nothing but a good time. Um, would definitely recommend it to people who are curious about the Yakuza series. Um, for sure, for sure. So you don't, th this is not your cup of tea, though, right? Uh, it doesn't really sound like it, but um, I'm going to... Uh very quickly switch 
to a tangent. Um, oh, dude. Yes. And, Do uh, it. Switch. Switch it, Corey. Switch spe- it. Speaking of dense-ass Japanese stuff, I have been binge-watching uh, Ghost in the Shell standalone complex, the series. Have you ever watched Ghost in the Shell? Do you have... Are you familiar with it? Um, okay, so I read some of the comics, like when anime and manga first got to America, like like when it was new. I was in, I was around and I was in that wave of people going, oh my God, what's this? This is stuff from Japan. This is weird. Let's check it out. So like it was around at that time and I kind of was like familiar with it, but it's never been one of my... Uh, favorite series back in the day. I was more of like a Ranma one half kind of guy. Um, but no, I, I I mean, I'm vaguely familiar with it. Is this an old series? Is it a new series? What is it that you're watching? It is old. Um, Ghost in the Shell, the, the anime movie, which is probably what most people are familiar with, that came out in 1995, um, which I have seen only once. I watched it about six months ago for the first time, so I'm a little bit behind the times. I think the first season... Uh, the series is called Standalone Complex. Uh, it has two seasons. And I think the first season came out in... I'm probably going to get this wrong. I want to say 2003. Um, and then they had a second season. And they've had more movies and stuff. But uh, uh, really, I just wanted to switch because I am like really... I, I I might be the most excited person in the world for the Scarlett Johansson live-action Ghost in the Shell movie. And... I am so excited for this movie, and I don't even really know why. I just think it looks so fucking badass. And so I thought, well, maybe I should, like, actually get familiar with Ghost in the Shell if I'm going to see the movie. So I've been watching the series, and I don't really have a lot of important things to say about it. But whenever you said Yakuza was, like, Japanese-ass, Japanese game, I was like, oh, well, Ghost in the Shell is, like, Japanese-ass, Japanese anime. So maybe I could talk about Ghost in the Shell for a minute, and that's about as far as my train of thought went before I went down this path. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. I mean, Ghost in the Shell, I've heard of it a million times and I have seen the movie, but it was ages ago. I think I probably saw it in 95 when it came to the States. It's never been one of my favorite series, so I don't remember much about it. I didn't spend much time on it, but I did see that trailer for the Scarlett Johansson movie. It looks awful. Oh, it looks terrible, dude. But it looks like, I mean, it could be bad and it could be awful. It could be like Batman versus Superman awful, but I think I've already made up my mind that I'm going to love it no matter what. Like, I I swear to you, I've watched the live-action trailer on YouTube probably, like, 50 or 60 times. Like, I am so excited for this movie, and I don't even know why, because I'm not even that familiar with Ghost in the Shell, but I'm just, like, I don't know if it's just, like, my urge to watch a movie with, like, a badass, like, woman character because all we get is, like, white men in movies. And I understand the whitewashing controversy because the the major in the anime is a Japanese woman and Scarlett Johansson is very obviously not Japanese. But I'm just, like, shelving all of that because I want this movie to be so good and I think it looks so awesome. Oh, my God, Brad. I can't even handle it. I'm going to leave it to you if... If you want to see it, go for it. Let's get a full debrief here on So Video Games after you see it. I'm going to pass, I think. that It looks kind of awful to me. And I don't say that as someone who has any, like, sacred love of the original source material. I just, just from watching the trailer, I'm like, oh, God, this looks bad. But It looks very much like it could be bad. But I, I'm probably going to be there, like, opening night, um, like, IMAX 3D, like, all in. I'm so excited for this movie, Brad. I can't... I, <laughs> I can't justify it. It just looks so, it looks so good. I don't know, man. I am so excited. I, I am excited that you are excited. But let us <laughs> let us leave Japanese and faux Japanese stuff behind for a second. Corey, I hear, 
I hear that you have been playing some Gears of War 4, which is probably the most American-ass game that could possibly ever be. I was going to uh, say, we're going to go from, like, Japanese-ass Japanese stuff to, like, American-ass American stuff right now. Yeah, this is totally, totally as American as apple pie with an American flag stuck in the top of it. Tell us about Gears of War 4, Corey. Well, I can't really say a whole lot. I, I want to preface Gears of War 4 by saying that I don't really, like, want to play this game that much. I just don't really have anything else to play, and Gamefly sent it to me, so I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot. Um, I've only played it for, like, an hour. I've played the opening chapter, the prologue, uh, which the prologue is actually pretty cleverly done because it the game opens with a woman uh, giving a speech about the war, like the Locust War, E-Day. I don't even know what to call it. I'm not up on my Gears of War lore. Um my, my gears of lore uh gears of lore my gears lore my of war gears of war for lore <laughs> <laughs> but she's like giving a speech about like major events that happened during the the locust war and you like play through each of those uh sequences as a different character so it's kind of neat it's got like a call of duty thing going where you like die in every and every scenario and then it just like moves to the next but uh I mean, it just feels like fucking Gears of War. Like, you get to the first chapter, and it's like your four characters are all together, and uh, it's like a white guy and a woman and a black guy and, like, an old guy, and the writing is terrible. Like, they're trying to, like, break into this compound, and one of the guys... I think the old guy is, like, the woman's uncle, and so she repeatedly calls him uncle, and I'm like, you don't call your uncle uncle. Like, is that a thing? Like, oh, hi, uncle. Like, do people say that? Um, not where I'm from, but I mean, maybe somewhere, who knows? I mean, I mean maybe not... in Gears of War 4 land, but it, the writing's just bad. Um, not that I expected it to be good because I never thought the writing in Gears was ever good. Um, but I mean, it's, you know what it is. It's a cover shooter. Um, the one thing I will say that did surprise me and I have not tested it yet, but when I booted the game up, um, and selected the campaign, there is an option to do the campaign split screen, which shocked me because most of the time games are online co-op only. Um, like the last console generation kind of left split screen co-op behind as far as I'm concerned. So I was actually kind of shocked that it has a split screen co-op campaign because that's the kind of thing where if I could get Patrick to play it with me, like that would probably make it fun. Um, sort of like how playing the division with you and your wife made it fun. So like, Maybe I'll go down that avenue soon and I can try to play it with Patrick, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to get him on board with it. Yeah, you know, I have played actually every, almost every game in the Gears series. I think the only one I didn't play was the most recent one, Judgment. Um, But I don't really like them that much, but I do play them for exactly that reason. My wife and I play them together. And so that is a fun thing that we like to do just because us playing in the same environment is fun. Not necessarily that Gears is the greatest game or that it's really um that well done although i will say that i think that the gears is it like two maybe it's gears three whichever one had that really sad moment um which everybody knows if you played the Gears series was was kind of cool but other than that i mean it's just kind of like meatheads running around shooting shit but it's fun if you got a a buddy i mean um yeah if you get patrick to play it i think that is probably the ideal way to play otherwise it's a lot of fucking ducking behind shit and, and shooting stuff that's pretty boring yeah, it's and it doesn't look like I mean, I didn't expect Gears of War 4 to change the formula because it is just a cover shooter. And as far as I've heard from the internets is that Gears of War 4 like goes back to the series roots. And I'm like, OK, well, where did the roots ever go? Because as far as I'm concerned, this game has always been just like a meathead ass cover shooter. So like when did it flourish that it needed to go back to its roots with four? Like, I don't really know where that happened. 
Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah, I don't remember them ever leaving their roots. I mean, I, <laughs> uh, okay, we're still at the roots, so roots continue. <laughs> like, okay, sure. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, that's pretty much um, all I have to say. I'm sure I'll play it a little bit more later and talk about it on future shows. But um, Brad, uh, what have you, do you have a little something, something left? Yeah, not much. I mean, I, I've been kind of wanting to talk about time management on the show for a while. I don't know if we're going to necessarily get into it the way that I wanted to get into it now. But um, the reason I bring this up is because right now um, it's difficult to be a podcaster on the show because I need to have fresh material to talk about every week. And when we're getting small games, indie games, or even games that I don't like and I can quit, that's fine. I can usually burn through a bunch and we usually have a lot of material by the time uh, Sunday rolls around for our regular recording. The problem is when you start getting into games that are actually good and that are actually long. So, you know, I just mentioned I'm playing Yakuza 0, which is an amazing game. I'm totally going to finish that game. I love it. It's really cool. It's right up my alley. Um, So I'm definitely going to be in that for the long haul. PR tells me you can expect at least 80 hours out of that game more if you want to do even more of the side stuff. And I do want to do the side stuff. So that's a really fucking long time. I mean, I think 80 (laughs) hours is a really long time for any game. Um... Do you, do you agree or no? Are you laughing because oh, it is yeah. or it's not? Yeah, okay. that's totally a long time. Um, okay. Yeah, I've only spent, there's probably only about five to ten games that I've spent 100 or more hours with in my entire life. So that is a long time. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, like, a game has to be, like, like magnificent for me to spend that much time. I mean, for me, like, uh, Monster Hunter, I've spent more than that on, but that's one of my favorite games of all time. Um, Fallout New Vegas, I spent more than 100 hours on, which is also one of my favorites of all time. Witcher 3, magnificent game. I know you don't care for it, but I thought it was amazing. So more than 100 hours there. But but those are the exceptions and not the rule. Like, I'm not the kind of guy who's like, oh, when I buy any game, I expect to get 100 hours out of it. Like, that's not me at all. Like, if I play a game and it's 8 or 10 hours, but it's a good 8 or 10 hours, like, I'm fine. Like, I'm ready to move on after that. So I'm in the middle of Yakuza 0. It's going to take me forever to finish that, but I do want to finish it because it's good. Um, the, the complication is that I'm still playing Let It Die, which we talked about a couple times on the show before. I don't really want to dive into that too much, but that is also a game that I really fucking love. I think that game is awesome and I'm having a great time with it. I also want to finish that game. So my dilemma is that Let It Die is a really long game. Yakuza 0, a really long game. I have two really long games. And so what the fuck am I going to talk about on the show for like the next six months while I try to finish these two really long games off? It's... Um, a real, a real issue if you try to do a weekly show. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to squeeze in something else to play. And whatever else I play has to be either really, really short or really bad so that I can just play it for two hours and quit so I can talk about it. Um, I feel kind of stuck. Do you ever have this kind of like time crunch? I mean, do you, I mean, I know maybe you don't like long games in general, but I mean, have you been to that place where it's just like, you just don't have time to play what you want to play or to get through stuff? Well, in general, I feel like um, for the most part, I play most of what I want to play. Um, I also, like we established at the beginning of the show, I don't have a job right now. So like, I, you know, I've got a lot of free time on my hands, but, um, but I totally get where you're coming from because I worked a full-time job for like 12 years. So, uh, you know, I get it, but I, I, I don't ever worry about not having something to play, but I ha- I do share your concerns with um, having like fresh things to talk about every week because like last week I talked about Metroid Prime and this week I talked about Metroid Prime so it's like all right I need to play something else so we can talk about it next week so I hear you on that 
Yeah, that's the problem, too, because I really love Let It Die. I think it's an amazing game. I just I'm having so much fun with it. And I actually got my wife to get into it, too. And she really digs it a lot also. So it's really cool for us to kind of play. You don't play it together, but like she'll play on her TV. I'll play on mine. And we'll just, you know, we'll compare strategies or we'll just talk about it. So it gives us something fun to do. Or you'll Um, laugh about the fact that your wife murdered me in the game. Oh, yeah, that's very true. (laughs) (laughs) You are fodder on floor one. We we slaughter you regularly. Uh, Um, You look good, though. You're in shape. I mean, you know, you're fit. So you got that going for you at least. my sexy little man undies, right? Yeah, and your your gas mask, too. That's that's on there, too. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's tough because I really like it a lot. I'm going to be playing it, determined to finish it. But it's like, I can't talk about it every week. I can't talk about Yakuza 0 every week. It's like, oh, man, this is this is a real challenge. So I'm going to do my best. Uh, this is my solemn oath to the listeners of So Video Games Podcast. I'm going to do my best to have fresh material every week. But I'm kind of the guy where it's like, if I stop for too long, I'll never come back to it. So I don't want to stop, right? Like, if I put Yakuza down for a week... I'm a little afraid that if I if I if I don't finish by the time I come back, I'm going to forget what I'm doing or I just will lose the momentum, you know, and you just kind of just putter out. And I don't want to do that. Like, I really like it a lot. I want to finish. So challenges, you know, what is it? First world problems. Yeah, maybe sure, first world yeah. problems. Yeah. Game reviewer this problems. Is, uh, this is the, pro- the, the part where we probably say, oh, hey, listeners, if you have any ideas for stuff for us to talk about, why don't you tell us? Yeah, yeah. Maybe we could do like for a couple months while I'm finishing these games, we could just talk about like <laughs> topics or ideas or debates. So if anybody's listening and you're sick of hearing me talk about Yakuza and let it die, let's talk about some topics. You got something you want us to, to debate, something you want us to discuss, you want to bounce off us that doesn't require us to actually play any games, we will give you <laughs> we will give you our opinions. Hey, maybe this is a good time for your sex questions too. We can have like a sex podcast for a few months and just talk about all those, you know, whatever whatever related questions you have. I mean, we've got lots of opinions. Got the gay side covered. You got the straight side covered. We can answer anything pretty much. So, well, I wouldn't say I don't know. anything, but well, mostly anything, almost anything. I mean, we, what we would we add, not be able we can to cover? Answer, uh, probably like woman stuff or trans stuff or people well, of color true. stuff or you know. We could have guests on though. We could have like totally guests on. I mean, well, I, I guess that's true. We know we know people. We know people. We'll introduce our listeners to people. If that question comes up, we'll get that solved. We'll get a good answer going, but. Anyway, that's all I have for my last topic. Nothing else to talk about as far as games. And I think this is probably going to bring us to the end of our show. Thank you all very much for listening. And as always, please do send us your thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you'd like to. Any discussion topics that don't require us to play a game. Please, please, (laughs) please. You can reach us, as always, at SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter, at SoVideoGames. So, this is bye from Brad. And bye from Corey. We will see you guys next week. 